Hello, my name is Steve McConnell, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad that you're with us as we seek to come before the Lord and as we seek to come to the Lord's table on what is a very special day in the year of our life together, which is World Communion Sunday. So we hope that you will take the time to make sure you have elements available for you so as we come together at the Lord's table, we can commune together. Some announcements uh, for you to be considering as we, con as we continue in our life together here at Church of the Palms. Dare to Share live stream event is coming up on October the 10th. This is an event for our middle school and high school students. It will be an all-day retreat over in the Campus Center, and we encourage you to sign up. You can register on the website. It will be a wonderful day for our students to be together and to experience fellowship and to be uh, learning more about their relationship with Christ. We uh, will continue with our God in Hollywood series. Coming up this Wednesday will be the movie Hidden Figures, and you, uh, we encourage you to find that on live stream and that you'll get a chance to watch that and uh, then come together with us at 6.30 on Wednesday evening for a discussion about this uh, provocative movie. Our Race in the Church uh, ministry is continuing conversations about various topics, and we will look forward to our next one on October the 19th, Monday, October the 19th at 6 p.m. We'll be uh, talking about a TED Talk by Debbie Irving, uh, who is the author of Waking Up White. You can find all that material on our website, and yeah, we would love for you to watch that and listen to that and be prepared for a discussion on uh, uh, October the 19th. October the 17th, two days before on Saturday, we're going to begin releasing weekly online short services of prayer, silence, and songs in the manner of Tizay. The repeated chants of the today's Tizay service are a wonderful way for us to be meditating and reflecting and perhaps finding a moment of, of great uh, peace and solitude uh, during a busy week. So we invite you to be looking for that. It'll be one service per week over the course of eight weeks, and we would love for you to experience this particular form of worship. Our daily devotionals, which have been coming to your homes every day, Monday through Friday, are going to be coming now just a little bit earlier each day at 6 a.m., so you can be looking for that in your email feed, and we would love to have you uh, share in those devotionals with us. Well, the big news, of course, is next Sunday we are reopening our campus for public worship, in-person worship, and we are excited about this. We are looking forward to seeing friendly eyes underneath those masks. As you know, we're going to be requiring people to wear masks. You will need to make a reservation in advance. You'll need to go to our website, and you'll find the place where you can make a reservation either at the 10 o'clock service, which is where our contemporary service will be uh, over in the campus center, or, of course, you can come as well in our 9 and 11 o'clock services here in the sanctuary. We'll have limited seating due to social distancing, and uh, that re reservation process will begin at 10 a.m. every Monday morning, and the reservations will close at noon on Friday, and as I said, you can reserve a spot in any of the three services, and we hope that with a total of those three services, we'll have room 
for everybody. If you want to know even more the particulars about uh, what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be approaching uh, next Sunday, we invite you to look at the video that is on our website and as well as follow all the instructions on your way to uh, registering for this great time of coming together uh, to be in worship. And we will be taking the video of that service and pushing it out just afterwards so that if you need to remain home, we would uh, be having that available for you uh, during, um, during Sunday morning. Well, we are so grateful for what God has provided for us over the course of these last seven months since we have been closed to public worship. And it makes me think of that wonderful verse in that great hymn, Amazing Grace, when it says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Well, it has been by grace, and it's been by your gracious support that, you have, that has allowed us to be able to carry on with our ministry over the course of these last several months, and has put us in a wonderful position to reopen and to invite people back into the house of the Lord. So we encourage you to continue to give. The giving options are on your screen, and we invite you to be uh, generous with your resources so that we can be generous with our ministry to our community. And uh, as we go to uh, a time of uh, reflection, we invite you to take a look at these peace be with you uh, greetings, especially in the spirit of World Communion Sunday, people dressed in their native garb. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Que la paix soit avec vous. The peace of the Lord be with you. Peace 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 be with you. Of course, Shantikaro. Remla, Lo Chang
feels like we're at the old time gospel hour. It's so uh, great, love that music. Thank you guys, wonderful. Well, as most of you know, we are pursuing the theme of the fruit of the Spirit this year, and each month we are focusing on one of the nine fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5. Last month we, of course, focused on love and looked at the varieties of love as suggested by the four Greek words for love. This month, the month of October, we're looking at the fruit of joy, the fruit of the Spirit that we know as joy. And one of the things we're going to encourage you to do this month is to think of something you could do to bring joy to somebody else. Bring joy is actually going to be our theme this month. What might you do to bring a little joy to someone else? Maybe, maybe it's send some flowers or write someone a note or tell them how much you appreciate them or bake someone a cake or cook someone dinner or, or whatever might come to mind that would allow you to bring joy to someone in your orbit. It's the great thing about joy, you don't even have to feel joy in order to bring joy to somebody else. In fact, when you bring joy is when actually you may begin to feel joy. So, so be thinking about that this month, what I might do to bring joy to someone, then make a plan and then go ahead and do it. And then perhaps you'll have a story to share with us and we'd love to hear that story by your contacting Jackie Gomez at our church office and she would be glad to find a way for you maybe to tell that story uh, to the rest of our church family. So today, in our first look at joy, we're going to look at the first chapter of 1 Peter, verses 3 through 9. Let's hear the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, by your grace, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh as we seek to understand what this great fruit of the Spirit joy might be for us. All this we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, we all know the old story of the man who was out for a walk on a foggy day and didn't see the edge of a precipice over which he proceeded to fall and the drop of hundreds of feet and by fortune, the man managed to grab hold of a limb sticking out the side of a cliff and was left there hanging. And after a moment of hanging, he proceeded to yell up to the top, is is anybody up there? Is anybody up there? And 
silence. And then, is, is anybody up there? And finally came a voice from the clouds that said, it is I, the Lord, who speaks to you. Thank God, said the man, can you help me? Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. Let go of the branch, and I will bear thee up. The man hangs there for a moment, and then looks up again and says, anybody else up there? It's no fun to fall. It's no fun to be in a position where you have to rely upon someone to catch you. It's no fun realizing that the fortune that has come your way has sometimes come at the rescuing hands of another, someone who is there to catch you. We, we prefer to build a narrative about ourselves that suggests that we have been the master of our own fate, that we have, that we have done life our way, that we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps and become self-made women self-made men, that, that everything has come our, that has come our way has been earned. And, and of course, like most things, this is partly true. Most, if not all of us, can point to work we've done and accomplishments we've achieved as a result of applying our wills, our minds, our energy, our determination. We are free agents who control pieces of our destiny. We chose the right road. We landed the important contract. We stayed late at the office. We applied extra elbow grease. We'd like to think that, that, has, that what has come our way has come from you using our noggin, applying our wise judgment, and giving our 110%. Now, as I said, this is partly true, and what stems from this realization is this feeling of pride. We're, we're, we're proud of the things that we have accomplished, and there's nothing wrong with pride. There's nothing wrong about feeling good about what you've been able to do. There's nothing wrong with taking satisfaction with the result of hard work. There are probably not enough people who take enough pride in what they've done. Healthy doses of pride are good for the soul. But pride alone is not what life is all about. Because the truth is, life is also full of falls. Life has its climbs and life has its falls. Life has its summits and life has its plummets. And in those plummets, there have been along the way hands to catch us. On June 8, 1958, a, a Sunday, my father got up and got dressed to go to church to lead Sunday worship. On the way to church, he dropped my mother off at the hospital, for the time came for her to be delivered of moi. She was in labor with me, so, she, so he dropped her at the hospital, proceeded to the church, led two worship services, preached two sermons based upon the text, deliver us from evil, I'm not quite sure what that was about, drove back to the hospital and waited in the waiting room for the doctor to come out and tell him the good news. Such were the olden days. And, and with those olden days came this confidence on the part of my father that my mother and the child she was delivering were in good hands. And sure enough, at 4.44 that afternoon, I fell out into someone's good hands. 
It might have been Dr. Flannery's hands, our family doctor, but, but someone's hands caught me when I fell into the world. I didn't earn those good hands. I didn't call in advance to reserve those good hands. They were just there to catch me and maybe even perhaps slap my little fanny into a whale, though I don't remember that part. You have the same story. Maybe you were never told the details, but we all have a story of those moments leading up to our first breath falling into someone's good hands. And in fact, we have a whole chapter of life of which we have little memory, those first few years of our life, when all we did pretty much was fall into the good hands of someone else. Moms and dads, brothers and sisters, grandmothers and grandfathers, passing the little likes of you and me from one set of arms to the other. When we cried, someone picked us up. When we fell, someone swooped us up and told us it was going to be all right. And none of this was because we deserved it or we earned it. It was all grace. Later, we may have fallen into the good hands of a teacher or a coach or an instructor. Later than that, we may have fallen into the good hands of an employer or a mentor or a family friend. Later than that, we may have fallen into the good hands of a spouse. But the truth is, we have been falling all of our lives, and by grace, there have been those moments when some good hands have been there to catch us. You may remember the story that took place in the first part of the last century when the great concert pianist Ignacy Paderewski was invited by a couple of students at Stanford University to give a concert on their campus. It was a plot on the part of the students to raise enough money for themselves to help pay their tuition that they couldn't afford. Well, the great Paderewski agreed to come, but for a fee of $2,000, and he came, and he performed a wonderful concert, and when the concert was over, the two students showed up backstage, and with forlorn faces, informed the great pianist that they had only raised $1,600 in ticket sales. They were $400 short and hadn't even paid their expenses, and they handed Paderewski a check of $1,600 and asked if it was at all possible if they could give him an IOU for the remaining 400 that they would work to earn that money and sent it to him once he returned back to Europe. Paderewski thought a moment and then in front of the students took the $1,600 check and tore it in two and said, I'm sorry you didn't raise the money, boys, but I'll tell you what, you keep the $1,600, pay your expenses, and then hold on to the rest. Years later, long after Paderewski had returned to his native Poland, World War I broke out, and in its aftermath, much of Europe was laid waste, and Paderewski had since been elected prime minister of Poland and was preparing himself to intervene with the United States to assist the starving Polish and European countrymen. Prior to his trip, Herbert Hoover, President Herbert Hoover, made it his decision to open up the storehouses of the U.S. and to ship food to Poland and to the rest of Europe. Paderewski made the trip to the U.S. to thank the president for the gracious act of humanitarian aid. What can we ever do to repay you, he asked. And Hoover waved the question aside and reminded the great pianist that he was one of the two Stanford students whose debt he had forgiven long before. In the end, we all find ourselves falling and by grace we fall into good hands. 
So there's an interesting thing that happens with the language by which the New Testament writers tell us the good news of Jesus. The New Testament, of course, was originally written in Greek, and it turns out that the Greek word for grace is the same word for joy. Kara or charis is the word used interchangeably in the New Testament for grace and joy, as if to say that grace and joy are two sides of the same coin, that you really can't pull those apart, that if you're going to experience joy, it will come through your appreciation of grace, that as proud as you might be in what you've been able to do, the real joy comes in realizing what has been done for you. As much as you pulled yourself up, how many times has someone caught you in a fall? By grace, Paul says, we have been saved. By grace, we've been caught. By grace, we've been born up by the good hands that from the very beginning when God breathed us into existence, it was by grace that we took our first breath and it's by grace that we have made it thus far and more importantly, it is by grace that we can look ahead and know and believe that when we have fallen for the last time, when we have fallen into that eternal slumber, it is the good hands of grace that catch us and the eternal arms that swoop us into the loving presence of God. By his great mercy, writes the apostle, he has given us a new birth of a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A new birth. The old birth had us falling into the hands of a good doctor. The new birth has us falling into the hands of the Savior. Although we've not seen him, Peter continues, you love him even though you do not see him now. You believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, an indescribable joy. The grace of the good hands turn into the joy of thanksgiving. We look behind us and we see the good hands that caught us and we look ahead of us and we see the good hands that will catch us. And that's where the joy is. Now, I've never won the lottery. I suppose you have to play it first to win it. But it seems that those early apostles felt like they had won the lottery. They had come to learn that the God of creation had graciously accepted them, had graciously promised them that when they fell back, Jesus was there to catch them. That by grace they had heard the news, and by grace they had accepted the news, and now the rest of life was joy which I suppose is what brings the world together on World Communion Sunday. There is so much that pulls this world apart. There is so much that divides us. There, is, there are too many opinions, polls, and politics to drive wedges and walls all over the place, and there doesn't seem to be any joy. For all those politicians' promises, they can't seem to deliver us joy. And they never will, because joy comes by grace. Joy comes by being grateful for the good catch, for the good hands, the good God we know in Jesus Christ. It makes me think of the story of Nicholas Winton 
Nicholas Winton was a stockbroker in England back in the late 1930s and was growing concern over the developments in Germany with the rise of the Third Reich. And after the Nazis marched into Czechoslovakia, Winton traveled to Czechoslovakia to see if there's anything that he could do to help his fellow Jews who were growing more and more concerned over their eventual plight. He realized what he could do, that what he could do was help Jewish parents get their children out of the country into safety. So he returned to England with the names of hundreds of Jewish children and appealed to the government to let him rescue them from their most certain demise. And they gave him permission and he arranged for hundreds of English families to adopt these children. And in the end, the organi he organized the safe transport of 669 children to the safety of Great Britain. And when it was all said and done, and all those children were safely in the protection of those English families, never again, unfortunately, to see their parents, Mr. Winton closed up his files packed them away in his attic, and never spoke of what he had done again. Forty years later, the word got out, and the BBC arranged to have Mr. Winton in attendance at a live variety show, and unbeknownst to him, had arranged to have dozens and dozens and dozens of those children, now adults, in attendance at this show, surrounding him in the audience. And then came the moment of truth when to Mr. Winton's surprise, the host of the show asked if there was anyone in the audience who owed their lives to this one man. And the dozens and the dozens and the dozens stood and surrounded this man in whose good hands they had fallen. And those were just the dozens that could be there, 669 in total, and when they did the math and considered the children and grandchildren of those original 669, those today who owe their life to Nicholas Winton total around 6,000. And maybe that's the math we get to do when we come to this table, the world communion table that the one who graced us with our birth is the one who graced all with their birth. And the one who catches us whenever we fall is the one who catches all when they fall. The Savior with a multitude of children. And the children gather and they surround the host at this meal. And at table they express the joy of grace. Remembering the new birth, remembering the good catch, remembering the joy of being human, remembering the grace of the good hands that have caught us, and the joy of waiting to be caught again. Friends, siblings, on World Communion Sunday, as we and thousands of Christians around the world gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that at this table, we fall into the good hands of Jesus. At this table, we remember that it stretches beyond all borders and all walls. Today, we gather with Christians around the world who are also celebrating this meal. 
We celebrate with Palestinians and Colombians and Syrians and Poles and Hondurans and Germans and Kenyans and with people of no nation at all. This table does not ask for citizenship status nor any other status that we could come up with. This is a table where all the languages of our lips and of our hearts are spoken and understood. This table has no room for weapons or hatred, but it is ever extending to make more room for anyone who seeks a place here. This is God's table for all of God's children. It is a table of grace. So come, come and take your place at the table. You are welcome here. You are invited here. You are called to gather here with all of your siblings of the world. Hear now the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. On the night our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And then after supper, Jesus took the cup in the same way and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes again. And friends, he will come again. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather around this wonderful meal, everywhere and in every place, bless us, all your children. As we eat this bread and drink this cup, linking arms around the world, pour your grace into all of us. Grace us with your presence as we pray to you, O Lord. May we see in each other your light your love, and you. May it not matter our differences, our languages, our looks, and our way of doing things. May what matters today and every day be that we are one in you. And as we pray, we call to mind our brothers and sisters who we are unable to be with today, whether in body or spirit. May you bring comfort to those who are grieving, lonely, heartbroken, ill, or broken of spirit. May you strengthen those whose lives feel shattered, don't make sense, are in crisis and experiencing loss. May you say the healing word to those who need it. May you bring the human touch of love to those who have not been touched. May you love the unloved through us. May you shine your light into those whose world is covered in darkness. May you use us to feed the hungry, clothe the ones who need clothes, give a cup of water to those who are thirsty, to shelter the homeless, visit the sick and those in prison. 
May lives be awakened to you, O Lord, to your love and to your kingdom, whose door is always open to all. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as one body of God, as one body of Christ, let us commune together the gifts of God for the people of God. Has ransomed me, and like a 
And now may the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.